So what we want to do is, there's a lot of effort that goes into preaching. There's a lot of effort that goes into preparing for these things. I often, um, often really, I don't know, I often think at the end of a sermon or something like that, if you've been listening or if it's me, I've been preaching, and just it feels like something's missing. And so this dwell richly time is what we think might be missing. So what it is, is um, we're going to uh, try and revamp our times together such that we'll still have the songs, we'll still have obviously communion, we'll still have the preaching. But what will happen is we'll have a 30 minute sermon like we just did then. I hope it was roughly 30 minutes. And what we'll do, Kathy's nodding. Um, <laughs> at the end of the 30 minutes, it might not always be the other elders, but generally it will be. I will have given them um, some questions just to think about that come out and, of the sermon and they'll generally be practical, how to, what does this look like questions. And so this isn't just these guys, it's actually all of us now. And so as they talk or as I ask these questions, you might also have questions. You might be going, you know what, Adrian, what did that mean when you said that? Or when you said this, it really made me think of, and we really want you to share those things. So for 15 minutes or so, we're just going to have this Q&A and then we're going to break up into the smaller groups to pray together. And um, yeah, so you guys cool with that? Cool. Alright, so uh, I gave you guys the questions. <laughs> Late last night. Yeah, we may not get through all of them and they'll always be pretty flexible anyway. But they're not designed to be theological knowledge type questions, although that will certainly be a part of it. Like I said, they're practical kinds of questions. And I'll just ask Andrew first, I guess. So I talked about the very concept of having a responsibility towards the Holy Spirit. And I often think about what likely objections there would be to that theologically. And then also what objections there might be to that practically. Is it right to see us as having a responsibility to the Spirit? Or is that just legalism? Well, I think the short answer to that is it's not legalism because it's... something that God's declared to be true about us. Adrian talked about those scriptures in which in in um, in Romans, in Romans 8, where God says, if you belong to him, he's placed his spirit in you. So very often what we are neglecting doing is actually appropriating what God has declared true about us because either we don't believe it or our experiences or our feelings tear us in another direction and so we do have a responsibility to appropriate but even if we don't have those feelings that follow it is to seek and to ask him to fill us to fill us continuously not as a one-time occasion that might have happened at a camp meeting or a church service or on a beach somewhere or wherever it happens to be it's a daily active seeking of him to fill us and to make up that which we cannot possibly do on our own and that's the challenge for us because I just had this picture before of somebody walking along the road their car's broken down and somebody comes along and says oh can I help you can I give you a lift and you say no I'm, I'm right and you know you're not right I'm going to keep walking and I'm going to do it in my own strength that person that comes along is God's Holy Spirit that's a picture of God's Holy Spirit it is there and all it means to say sometimes is to say yes I need I need that help. Could you could you help me here? So it's not a legalism to accept what God has already declared true about us, and to actually respond to what He is offering day by day. 
Rick, do you think it's legalism to talk about the responsibilities towards the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. The Holy Spirit should be part of our life. The, the Word talks about it. And I can only uh, talk from experience. As a young man growing up in a Prezi church, I felt like there had to be something more. And so I just wasn't getting the church service and the church life that I was experiencing was not fulfilling what I needed. I read about what was in the scriptures and I go, why am I not experiencing it? So I started looking outside the church and I've probably grown more spiritually outside the church that I have been. And I think there has to come a place in a person's life where they have to have a desire to want to know God more deeply. If you don't have that desire, it's going to be very hard to, to seek out the Lord. Well, I think it's that, um, that thirst that Absolutely. comes. Absolutely, it's that and, thirst. Yeah. And also just with what you said about the church too, I think institutional church in terms of all its structures and everything yeah. can often... That's why I meant the, yeah. the denominational Absolutely. church. Um, yeah, can kind of quench that spirit as well. So, yeah, do you guys want to talk into any of that? Any questions from any of that? Yeah, yell it out, Steve. In fact, I'll give you the mic so that it actually can be heard. I just, uh, what Rick was saying, like, you know, we, we can be involved in different churches, um, and uh, unless you have that yearning and deep uh, desire to, uh, to know God in his fullness, including uh, the Trinity and the three persons and, and who the Holy Spirit is and the impact that he can have in our lives, um, there's going to be a void, isn't it? Uh, and I know from myself, I've had that void, absolutely. And uh, I just amen to that, man, because that, that's, uh, I think, I don't know. I'm hoping that a lot of other people have had that experience, but I certainly have, so. Um, I think we've, and we'll just do this very briefly, but I think we've done this before. When I talked about having a responsibility to come to him, obviously that thirst I think can be quenched in a number of different ways, albeit temporarily, it can only ever be quenched eternally in Jesus and in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But what did it look like when you first came to the Lord, Andrew, for the first thirst? Uh, it, was a, it was an emotional time because, as I recall, it was a time in which I had a sudden realisation that I had been effectively um, cheating on God, denying what who he was and and having that sense of grief of having grieved him because I've refused that which he had offered that pre, uh, that new life. And just uh, it happened in a, in a uh, pastor's lounge room. And um, I think I was full of um, answers and I think I shared this with a few of you before but uh, the first the opening and uh, question the pastor had or the minister had was um, 
why can't you accept God? And I said, oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. And he said, name one. And that was the end of the conversation because at that point I realised I could not stand against up in front of the Holy God and accuse him of being deceptive or being um, in some way unfaithful because I, he just shut my mouth up because I, I thought I had all these answers about why, why the Bible was wrong and this, that and the other. But it was just, a, this, it was just like a switch going on and saying... No, that's all wrong. I come to him, I bow before you now. And it was just a, a very emotional time. There were tears shared and it was just um, um, a very precious time. How about you, Rick? I came to know the Lord up in a uh, youth camp uh, up in the mountains in California. But I grew up in a Christian home and I'd heard all about God all my life. And uh, as many of you have heard my testimony before, but uh, at this mountain retreat, the leader was asking those who wanted to know the Lord or those who wanted to rededicate themselves to the Lord. And I thought I was going up to rededicate myself. Uh, I always believed in God. I probably didn't have a personal relationship, but I guess looking back on it, my, if anybody knows my, my mother or stepmother, she was on fire for the Lord, and it didn't matter who was in the house, she would talk Jesus. And it was at the point, you know, every time that name came come out, it just shivers <laughs> down my back, you know. Why are you talking about Christ to others who don't really know them? Isn't that sort of a church thing or a private thing? But anyway, when I got up there, it turned out that uh, that was my real conversion, was giving my life to the Lord. and. My older brother and I used to uh, sibling rivalry. You know, we, we were at odds all the time, but I was able to broke down in tears, gave him a big, we hugged each other and forgave each other <clears throat> right then and there. And ever since then, you know, there was a, a healing in the a relationship with him and a desire to know God even more. Yeah, and you obviously still feel that now. Absolutely. So what is it? What does it look like for you, Jensen? I guess you've got the mic there. What does it look like to be thirsty now? Don't be satisfied with where you're at. There's always more of God, more of the Spirit. I mean, I can relate some stories to you, how I've seen God work. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot more out there that God wants to bless you with. You know, I'm not saying to look for the experiences to be blessed for blessing's sake only, but to know him better and to allow him to do things through you to bless others. And don't be satisfied with mediocrity. How about you, Andrew? What does it look like to be thirsty now, today, day to day? I don't know if I can say anything more than what Rick has, other than never be complacent about being in a, a place in which you think things are pretty good because it's that point that you become very vulnerable to uh, pride and to self-sufficiency. And so there just needs that to be really honest and open realisation that you're not right, there is something more. And only in Christ that can be achieved through His Spirit. There's nothing that you can do in your own strength 
or even appear to do. Uh, even just sitting up here, I mean, I just feel a little bit um, underdone, if you like, in the spirit, because while I've been asking God to give me the words, I've also asked him to shut my mouth out. I'd say anything that might bring discredit to his name. So there's that sense in which we go humbly before our God and ask him to give us the words, but also restrain us if there are instances or situations in which we may end up uh, bringing discredit to him. Or um, yeah, So I think it's so important to be uh, truthful and honest before God every day in every, in every situation and not ever get to that point where you feel you're just cruising. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, my thirst comes when through failure. Uh, if there's uh, things that have happened in my life that I know I haven't handled well or I've overreacted or whatever, later it's sort of spirit grips you and you feel this absence within yourself. And then, you know, I also see it in material things where I've always, I've always appreciated good engineering. I've appreciated things that are reliable, but I know very quickly that those things glitch out on you, wear out, rust, and again, that makes me thirsty. Those day-to-day -day things make me thirsty for something that's more lasting. And it's also a battle at times. Sometimes I don't even feel thirsty. It's like I actually really want that and I can get a little bit frustrated because it has actually broken or whatever. So, uh, And yet God, our shepherd, our father, is not satisfied to leave us with those desires that are going to cause us to fester and rot. So... Um, did anyone else want to talk about, or did, yeah, has that sort of sparked anything for anyone else? Any questions, any inputs? BJ? Yeah, just one, one thing like you just said then. Huh? Oh, yeah, one thing you just said then um, about like not having the feeling or the emotion. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, what do you guys sort of do in your daily spiritual life? to overcome um, that lack of emotion, you know, like when you get really involved in work or other things and you lose that desire to meet with God mm. or read the Bible, yeah. you, how do you deal with that and, you know, do you sort of have mechanisms that you put in place to help deal with that? Yeah, I'll come on did you? I think that, that's a great question, mate. And um, one thing that I know for sure is that God knows that I can knows my heart better than I do. And oftentimes, even in a, say, devotional time or just in work, you're just like, why does my heart feel so hard at the moment? And I give thanks to God for those moments of prophetic light because it is true that my heart has desynced itself from God again. And so there's that realisation that he will never be satisfied to leave us like that. And then in those moments, more and more that, oh, I think it says it up there with the hyphens, pray, depend, live. It's just a, for me, it's a Lord, well, can you change my heart in this now? Can you help me see? And not every time, but certainly a lot of the time, I suddenly feel like an onrush of love for someone that's just really been grading me. I feel um, like an excitement about my job or whatever else. I think at the moment, in these moments, we have a fallen nature. We have a fleshly nature that's constantly warring against our soul in a, in a sense. And so I don't think until heaven will our emotions be completely aligned, but when they are and you have those Holy Spirit moments of fullness, I just want to, you know, give thanks for those. Uh, a lot of people go, oh, I don't even worry about the emotions, but like, we are emotional beings. That's how God's made us. And people like to say, keep the emotions out of it. And I often say that's like trying to keep the oxygen out of breathing. Like you, your emotions are a part of who you are, but it's whether they're proportionate and balanced and appropriate. You know, some of those songs that we sing, 
man, we should be on our knees. We should be on our knees with tears pouring out of our eyes and um, and, and, and we're not. Um, other times, you know, we should be feeling a righteous anger or we don't. And, or other times we feel angry, angry when we shouldn't. And um, One thing with devotionals is I really it would encourage um, mixing it up a little bit, like using different devotionals, using different, there's many different ways of doing it and maybe we could talk more practically about those. But the way that you read through the Bible, mixing that up a bit depending on where you're at. Um, I personally have always started in the Psalms and then I'll read an Old Testament chapter and a New Testament chapter and then I pray through the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven, and I spend time thinking about Him. Then I pray, um, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I pray for the church under kingdom, under your will. I pray for those people that aren't believers. I pray for them by name. Um, so that's a way I think having a routine and having a ritual is an important thing, but being willing to change it. The only thing I'd like to pick up on that, and I don't always do it, is to, in those situations of, of dryness, is just to purpose in your heart to just to praise Him, just to start praising God for who He is and what He's done. And before long, you're, you're looking outside that situation, you're looking to Him. I, I don't always do that myself, but I know when you do, just, just that act of praise and declaring... Um, thanking for what he's done, that can really turn your whole perspective on things around a bit. Mine's easy. I spend hours and hours and hours on the tractor, so everybody knows that it's a boring job. But I've got a whole, I've got the whole Bible on CD, so I don't know how many times I've listened to the whole New Testament the last few weeks. And, uh, and when I get tired of that, I'll pray, or some songs might come to, to mind. And my, I like singing, even though I can't sing very well, but I like singing. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, and so the only music I ever listen to is uh, praise and worship stuff. I just got to the point where I don't like secular music. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, um, but that's me. Um, sometimes the Lord will bring somebody to mind. You know, the, the press is funny and you start praying for them, that can change your attitude. Um, sometimes you've had a run-in with the boss and um, start praying for him. Sometimes you don't handle it very well, you go home, complain about it, get convicted, and you start uh, to take it to the Lord and get your attitude right. So, you know, life is not like this. I don't know about you, but my spiritual life's like this, to be honest, you know? I have my highs, I have my lows. When I'm in my lows, I try to, to search for God, you know, and uh, that He might be lifted up even in the bad times. Yeah. I think um, to always remember too that the best has been saved for last. So when we finally see Him in His fullness and our emotions, our spiritual life, everything is restored and redeemed to the way it was meant to be, you know, we're still looking for that. And he kind of gives us glimpses of that. We should be really thankful for those glimpses and then soldier on the rest of the time in the power of the spirit. And that's how I kind of see it. This is a harder question and we might finish off with the, this one. Oh, oh, sorry, go, go. Yeah, can you just use the mic because we're actually recording, so. Well, I was just thinking about this as you guys were talking and um, sort of in regards to BJ's question, I think it's thinking of yourself too on your worst day in terms of maybe and then yourself 
sorry, yeah, thinking of yourself on your worst day and yourself on your best day in terms of with the Lord and what would you say to yourself on your on your worst day? And for me, a lot of it has happened not actually, I haven't been strategic about it in terms of um, just being at church, catching up with Christian mates during the week, listening to music. It sounds all legalistic, but uh, I'll give you just an example. We, we had a fight on the way down here in the car over fast food, believe it or not. It was a good one. And then we're listening, so we're listening to songs for camp, and on comes Come On My Soul by um, Rang Collective. And, it, and for, you, for those who don't know the song, it's, it's Come On My Soul. It's pretty much that lyric, the entire song. Um, and it's from that, inspired from that psalm that says, um, Why are you so cast down, my soul? Why, why are you... I'm trying to think of the exact words... Why are you in turmoil within me? And then it says, but I will again hope in God. And it's this psalm that lifts you out. And um, I think what I've been realising in terms of strategic staying in good habits is you know, God doesn't just say to meet as a church, to be a family, to be one, just because he thinks it's a cool idea. There's, there's actually, a, I seem to see this, um, there's a strategy to it. And that um, I can think I'm going really good. But then I can come home and I can see how that has an effect on the family. And I'm actually not doing that great because if I can't take who I am as a Christian in my devotions and yet then when how I am with my wife, it just falls to, falls to nothing, then that's the person who I am. Like, yes, we have this relationship with God and it's between us and him, but really we show that how we act towards each other. And so I look back on what, seven years of marriage, um, or eight years, sorry, nine, gosh, it's going up. <laughs> and I just look at, I just look at all, the, all, the, all the challenges our family's faced, and there's been the church in all that. And yes, my Bible reading hasn't been what it is, but I just encourage you to think on the flip side of that question is that when you are going good, there's probably somebody else going bad. And, you know, I can't even thank you, mate, how many times that I've been, you know, it's been a text from somebody or a song that's come on. It hasn't been me on my knees chasing after the Spirit. It's been Him coming for me, but it's it's been from the church. And I think I'm starting to see that really the person who I really am in Christ <coughs> is showing up for what it is when I'm yeah. at places like this because I can. It's, it's, it's easy to think we're going well on our own, yeah. but when we're in that environment, and so, I, I mean, I just wanted to say the church is probably the one of the keys for me in terms that yeah. I've seen... God used to pull me up, pull me out of the dumps, make me, you know, the preaching, whatever it is, and but not just on a Sunday, actually keeping in contact with you guys, reading the texts, um, and yeah, so. Uh, that's awesome, and that actually ties in really well to the next session this afternoon where we talk about one of the spirit responsibilities as being worshipping together, because you see through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, all those gifts, no matter what you think about them, are there to mutually edify, encourage, build up the church. And um, so, you know, yeah, that aspect of being in community and, you know, even with all our sort of, I guess, hard times in church, there's always been this consistency of being in church and being together with the community. And I know I've grown through that. I know we all have. And you know, I could easily say one of the things the Holy Spirit does all the time is take us out of our comfort zone. And oh, we go, oh yeah, yeah, we like that. But the thing is, when you're out of your comfort zone, you're uncomfortable. You're feeling it. You know, it's not a nice thing necessarily. But then at the end of it, you go, wow, I really grew through that. So I'll just finish off with this question. Thanks, Tim. That was really good. And thanks, everyone else.
Um, we'll have this question and then we're going to break up into smaller groups. Now these smaller groups, when we pray together, these are an opportunity for you to confess to your brothers and sisters. I often say if you feel comfortable to do so. I'm not going to say that today. I'm just going to say if you need to confess stuff to your brothers and sisters. And I'm not just talking about you know stuff that you might have done to them or whatever. I'm talking about stuff that might have convicted you from what's been said, what's been preached, what's been sung. Then you do that because that's what we're supposed to do. The scripture is very clear on that. So that's why we're breaking in these smaller groups. You may also just want to say, look, I'm, I don't necessarily need to confess, but I know that my heart's a bit hard and I need you to help me. Because in Hebrews it says See to it that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart. That is actually look around. Um, so here's the hard question. We know, as we saw even in that sermon, we can either fester in the flesh or live in the spirit. And we know that we battle with the flesh. So Rick and Andrew and Adrian, examples of living in the flesh and how you know. How you know when it's in the flesh. Because I, I don't know about you, but there's been some times where I thought it was like my right and my righteous, just response. And I realized that no, it was in the flesh. but. Can you give us some specific examples or an example and how you knew? Where do I start? Yeah, Help me, Tim. Help me, Barbara. Hannah. Yeah, Maybe we should ask your wife. <laughs> Actually, that's a good idea. There are, many, there are many times, and I'll think of this specific example, but to answer the second part of the question first, and uh, the second part of the question is how do you know and it is when you don't have any peace in your heart or when you hold up that spiritual mirror and you see something that looks pretty ugly um one of the one time this this takes it back a, a few few years now in a church 25 or 30 years ago where we were called for um the person leading the service asked anybody who had a need for healing and a fellow next door to me, I had a very sore back at that stage and um, I remember the <coughs> person next door, his name was Wes, sitting next to me, I, he said, oh, why don't you go up and ask for healing for your back? And I said, look, if I kneel down now, there's no way I'm going to be able to get up. <laughs> and straight away, I was convicted of saying to God, there's no way that you can heal me. So I, at that point, I straight away did go up and I did get some immediate relief. It wasn't a permanent thing necessarily, but I did get immediate relief. But that was a very um, light bulb moment where I'd, I'd said to my neighbour, you know, there's no way I'm going to get down and kneel because I won't be able to get up again. So, yeah, that's, that was very humbling. I got so many on, I just, almost embarrassing. My life would probably be characterized by worry. Uh, many times, you know, out of job, money's low. I can remember being um, in such a desperate situation. We, we were three and a half thousand dollars in debt on our credit card. No way of being able to find a job after much searching. I finally fell flat on my face, spread eagle, and just pleaded to the Lord. And it um, wasn't long after that that I got a phone call and it was a job opportunity for my brother-in-law that it required leaving town and going eight hours away and work for a while. But I guess what really spoke to me one time was that we were meeting in a, a men's 
um, morning prayer. I was meeting with two other guys. And one guy had a, he'd been a Baptist minister, but he'd had a, a really rough life. And myself, I wasn't happy in my job. I wasn't happy where we were at spiritually. I just was not a happy person. And this would come out in our sharing time and prayer time. And it happened so much that one of the guys says, you know what? You guys are so negative all the time. He says, I don't think I want to come anymore. And I go, wow. That was really being hit across the back of the head and wake up to yourself. You know, life's not that bad. You know, look to the positive things, look to the things that God has blessed you in. Mm. And so, yeah, sometimes the Lord has to sort of shake you out of here, save you from yourself. Yeah. So I think it's um, <clears throat> fair to say we know we're in the flesh because, yeah, you lack that inner peace. And I think the Holy Spirit doesn't get let you get away with it. There's certainly the heat and the intensity of the moment sometimes and it might come later but you know it's going to come and then you know you can again you can hold on to that keep justifying or you can simply go i need you lord i need you to bring that sense of repentance that sense of um forgiveness that sense of kind of wanting to say sorry yep. and then hopefully you know having having that reciprocated so let me pray and then uh we're just going to break up into the smaller groups it really doesn't matter how the groups look we might just um spread ourselves out a little bit we'll just do it for about 15 minutes up to 11 and then it's uh, probably time for beach um yeah so feel free to rearrange the chairs you know really even now in my heart i'm just praying there'll be a sense of openness a sense of authenticity you might want to well, no, I won't say any more than that. Let me pray. But I say to you, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of a sinful nature. Be filled by the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. O oh, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts to each other, that you would lead us, and that, Lord, we would be able to encourage one another now in prayer and share. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, let's break up into the little groups, and um, we'll go to about 11 or so. And then, well, it's a bit wet, but we can go to the beach, I guess.